My name is Dave Wells. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you and praise you and bless you that we can be together uh, today and this first Sunday of our new year. And uh, we pray that this morning as we spend this time together that you speak to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we just ask for your grace upon this, our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning I, uh, about something that's just kind of stirring in my heart. I hope I can, I hope I can get it across to, to what's happening. But I, you know, we, we have a couple of choices. We could just slide into 2024 from 2023, just kind of slide in. Or we could say, you know, it's the end of a year. It's the beginning of a new year. Uh, I would like to see something different in 2024. Would you? You know, more in 24. I mean, it's cheesy, but, but uh, I, I am, I, you know, 2023 is gone. And I would like to see greater things happen in 24. And I just believe we can. I, I, I have that expectation, that I'm an anticipation in my heart that we will. But the, what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is, I want to challenge you today, and I'm challenging myself as well, is that what, what kind of response um, do, do you want to make in 24? Uh, do you want to raise the bar uh, on your own personal life in 24? Those are kind of questions uh, that, are going to, that, are, that we need to ask ourselves. I believe that God is going to do some things in 24, which I think is going to do some things and challenge us, and it's going to require a, a response from us. And that is the million-dollar question. What, how will we respond? And I want to talk to you a little bit about, about that. I believe that, that uh, when God begins to move by His Holy Spirit, and we want that, amen, uh, we say, well, come Holy Spirit. Come and minister to me, both personally and corporately, we say things like that. But what we don't anticipate is that if God actually answered those prayers, and God began to, to show up in a greater measure of His Holy Spirit, I mean, we have His Holy Spirit right now, uh, but if He began to really do a shaking thing, how would you respond? Would you respond? You say, oh yeah, 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 I would. But, you know, sometimes we don't realize what that would actually entail. And so I want to talk about that this morning. I think the first thing that would happen to us is that you'd have to stretch. If God moves in a greater way and moves in a sovereign way in our midst in 24, whether it be in our local church or in our city, which I anticipate not just our local church, but in our city and in our province, um, it would require us to stretch as a church and require you. If you're going to be a part of it, it would require stretching in you as well. And so we, we see that. Uh, there's a story in, in the scripture in Luke chapter 5, uh, in verse 27. Let's, let's look at that. Uh, there's an incident that took place in the life of Jesus and it went like this. After that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes began grumbling at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, the disciples of John often fast and offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees also do the same, but yours eat and drink. 
And Jesus said to them, you cannot make the attendance of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But the days will come, and when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. And he was also telling them a parable. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, he will both tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled out, and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wishes for new, for he says the old is good enough. Well, the context of this whole thing was that Jesus was hanging around with tax gatherers and sinners. And Levi, he, invited, he made an invitation to Levi, and then after, and Levi responded and began to follow Jesus, and then afterwards, Levi threw a party, uh, kind of like a New Year's Eve party. And he had a party, and he invited all his friends, which were definitely not the Pharisees. And so the house was filled with sinners and tax gatherers and the lost, and Jesus went to the party and uh, was engaged in the party. And the Pharisees were observing this, and they were having a hard time with it. And they, they said, you know what? Uh, and the Pharisees were the religious establishment of that day. And uh, they were saying to Jesus, you know, uh, shame on you. Uh, what do you think you're doing here? And Jesus gives them a parable. Uh, you can't put a new piece of cloth on an old garment, and you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Why not? Because the new wine expands. And when it expands, the old wineskin cannot, cannot handle the stretching, cannot handle the expansion. And so you, the skins would burst, and you would lose the skin, and you would lose the new wine as well. It would spill on the ground. So Jesus said, everybody knows that. What he was really saying is, when God begins to move and do new things, it requires stretching. Amen? It requires expansion. And you find out, am I an old wineskin? Or am I a new wineskin? Can I stretch? Can I change? We, that's a question that we need to ask ourselves as a congregation. If God, when God moves, can we handle that? When God brings change, can we handle that? I believe that there's going to be change in 24. I believe that. I believe that the whole stadium event that we're planning on right now and doing, I believe that's going to cause a shaking. It is causing a shaking already. It will cause a greater shaking in our city and in our province. Amen? And we're a part of that. And we want to be a part of it. And other pastors and churches are beginning to jump on board. And, I, and I'm believing that God's going to do something. Are you believing that? Amen. And so that will mean adjustment. That will mean change. And who knows all what's involved with that. I believe there's going to be a greater emphasis on the harvest. I believe there's going to be a greater emphasis on winning people to Jesus Christ. I believe that God's going to challenge not that guy over there or this person over there. But he's going to challenge you. And how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to raise the bar even in your own life in telling people about Jesus Christ? Telling your friends, your neighbors, people you hang out with, people you work with. Are, you going to, are we going to actually be more bold in our faith? There's going to be a challenge to be that. If we're drinking that new wine, there will be a shaking. There will be an adjustment. There will be opportunities to enter into the harvest in a whole new way. <clears throat> and so that's the challenge, the stretching. You know, the new wine is really the message about the kingdom of God. And I believe in 24, that's going to be an ever-increasing emphasis in this church and in churches in the this, in this city, a preaching of the kingdom of God. You know, in Matthew 4, it says, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease 
and every kind of sickness among the people. We could do some more of that. Amen? And so the gospel means good news. We know that Philip preached the good news of the kingdom. Paul preached the good news of the kingdom. The book of Acts actually closes on that note of preaching the kingdom. It says uh, concerning Paul, Acts 28, 30, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. You know, Jesus said this one time to the Pharisees. He said, did you not read, uh, never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. So you have a choice. You can either fall on the rock, which is Jesus, and be broken and be changed into into a great into what God wants to bring in your life or you can let the rock fall on you and it'll just crush you like dust you have only two choices in life and so God tore the kingdom and the right to be a co-laborer in building the kingdom away from the Pharisees because they would not allow the life of the kingdom to flow through them so the problem the scary thing about wine is that if you've been drinking old wine you don't want the new wine the old wine's good enough. So what do we want? Say, well, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable. What it's really talking about is the problem of complacency. And we get comfortable. We get comfortable in our own Christian faith, in our own Christian journey. We can get comfortable as a church. We can get comfortable as a believer. And we say we want change, but saying it and really embracing it is two different things. Amen. Because when you start drinking new wine... Things start changing. Things start expanding and stretching. It requires change. And it all depends what Jesus is really trying to say through the whole parable of the wine and the wineskin is how stretchable are you? How stretchable am I? And so how far, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, we have this attitude, this smug attitude actually saying, well, you know, I want to know more of God and I want to get closer to the Lord and I want to experience more of the Holy Spirit, but it's really up to him to reveal himself to me on a greater level. Amen. We have that kind of attitude. I'm just sitting back. Hey, God, it's your move. The ball's in your court. We're waiting for revival to come. We're waiting for you to send out your Holy Spirit. Really, Lord, it's in your hands. Actually, that's not true. There's a whole lot more of this in your hands and my hands than we want to actually admit. For example, I think the real boundary of God moving is how much are you willing to stretch? How much am I willing to stretch? How much are we willing to stretch as a local church here? And it has, you know, living in the anointing and the spirit of revival has more to do with stretching than with prayer. You can pray and pray and pray and not be stretchable. Amen? Jesus said this. These are two scriptures that have always challenged me in my Christian walk. In Matthew eleven twelve, 12, he says, From the days of the John the Baptist until now, <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Luke's gospel says it this way. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since then, the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached. And everyone is forcing their way in. Or everyone is pushing their way into the kingdom. 
And so we think, hey, God, your move. But I think the Holy Spirit would say, no, no, it's your move. It's your move. How hungry are you? How much are you willing to stretch? Are you actually willing to push into the kingdom on a level that you didn't in 24, that you didn't push in 23? That's my challenge for us here this morning. Are you willing to push more in 24 than in 23? That's the question. You know, these scriptures about this, they tend to bother us. Um, because there's more of the kingdom in our hands than we really want. You know, we like it when God is, you know, I believe in the sovereignty of God, I do. Uh, but we want it to be so, you know, God, you're, you're sovereign on all this stuff, and it's not, in, it's not in my hands, it's all in your hands. We like that. We don't like it when some of the kingdom, some of the aspects of the kingdom are actually in our hands. So, for example, there are scriptures that go like this. Uh, with healing, if you can believe. Well, we don't like that. Or the woman with the issue of blood. We know her. You know that story. She had to push through the crowd. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be well. But she had to push through the crowd. Uh, blind Bartimaeus was blind and he... He heard that Jesus was coming and he started yelling, Jesus, uh, son of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. The crowd was saying to Bartimaeus, shut up. Stop yelling. What was his response? He yelled louder. He didn't shut up. He yelled all the more. Did it work? Yes, Jesus stopped. Pulled blind Bartimaeus up on the road and said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, wasn't that an obvious question? Bartimaeus says, I want my sight. He got his sight. He pushed into the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The woman in the press, the woman who wanted to touch his garment, pushed into the kingdom. Uh, one time, Jesus um, had come across this man who had a demonized son. And this demon-possessed son, would, the demon would force him to fall into the water so he could drown him or fall into the fire where he could burn him to death. And they had to keep pulling this demonized boy out of the water and out of the fire. And, and it was a nightmare. And so the father came to Jesus and he said, Hey, you know, your disciples tried to cast the demon out of this guy and they couldn't do it. And, and so he comes to Jesus and says, If you can do anything, please help me. He asks Jesus, if you can do anything, and Jesus says, if I can do anything, all things are possible to him who believes. What did he do? He took the ball and he threw it right back in that guy's court. And the guy said, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. Wasn't exactly a man of power and faith, but he was honest. And he said, I believe, I believe. With whatever I have, help my unbelief. That was all that Jesus needed. And, of course, Jesus cast the demon out of his son, and his son was healed. But what I'm trying to say by that is there's more of the kingdom in your hands and my hands than we actually really want. And if we really want to see more of the life of the kingdom manifesting in our own personal lives, in our situation, and in our church, we're going to have to push in. <clears throat> you know, new wine is not always a blessing to everyone. Some people say, I'm tired. I don't want to risk anymore. I did my bit. I no longer want to sacrifice. Um, I'm tired. Somebody else's turn. I just would, let's just have the old wine. Let's, have, let's not have the new. But I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with that. 
Uh, I've been a Christian over 50 years, and I am not satisfied with that. I want new wine. You know, the Holy Spirit is challenging us today, saying, be filled with all the fullness of God. That's Ephesians 3.19. Be filled with all the fullness of God. What's the fullness? Well, let me give you a definition of fullness. The definition of fullness is neither superiority, I think it'll be on the screen, nor maturity, but stretchability. How stretchable are we, are you and I? And I believe that God wants to renew the wineskin of our souls. I believe he wants, to, uh, he wants to expand the vision of our understanding. I believe that God wants to enlarge our heart for a lost world. I believe that God wants that. I believe if we're really hearing from the Holy Spirit, that's what we're going to begin to hear. Stretching involves vision. It involves faith. It involves prayer. You know, Jabez, we know the story of Jabez, and he was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bore him with pain. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my border, and that thy hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from harm, and that it might not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. What Jabez was really asking for is, God, I want to expand my borders. I want to expand my boundaries. God, I am willing to stretch. And I believe that God saw the heart of Jabez and said, I know that you are willing to stretch, and so I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to give you what you want. Are we willing to stretch? Do we have that same cry in our heart that Jabez had saying, Lord, I want to stretch. I want to expand. I want to be enlarged. I believe the second thing that God wants us to do is he wants to change. He wants to transform us. And I believe that when we encounter the Holy Spirit as new wine, it involves stretching, but also involves something else. It involves fire. And the the title of this sermon is, by the way, is Fire and Wine. God wants to give us new wine, but along with the new wine comes fire. Say, well, what do you mean by that? I don't believe you can have the Holy Spirit without the fire. I don't believe you can have the new wine without the fire. You know, one day, uh, John the Baptist said this, famous statement he said. He said, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, water is a beautiful symbol of our, our repentance, of our decision to follow Jesus. But water isn't supernatural. Water is water. Water can do nothing in and of itself to change a person. But fire is supernatural. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have fire. And uh, God begins to change you and do something in your heart and begin to transform you. You know, we, we, uh, there's certain things about, that, about God that we are non-threatening to us. We like, we like to think about, you know, God is love. Is that true? God is love. That makes us feel warm and fuzzy all over. But can I tell you, the scripture also tells us that God is a consuming fire. That's also who he is. And that is a little bit more threatening to us. You know, when Moses encountered God, he first encountered God uh, because he saw a bush that was on fire. 
And what was miraculous about it was the bush wasn't being consumed by the fire. It was full of fire. And Moses saw it and said, whoa, that's pretty great. And he started, um, he, got, he got his curiosity up and he began to walk towards it. And as he got closer, all of a sudden the voice of God came out of the fire and said, take off your shoes. You're walking on holy ground. And that's what fire does. Fire begins to transform us. Fire begins to talk to us about our sin, about our need for change. Fire transforms us. We know that Moses and Joshua uh, went up Mount Sinai, which was on fire. God said, I want to show myself to the nation of Israel. I'm going to manifest myself. What did they see? They saw fire. Moses and Joshua actually went on the mountain. The people didn't go on the mountain. They saw the fire. They saw it from a distance. But they didn't actually, the fire never actually touched their lives. They were not changed. But Moses and Joshua were changed because they experienced the fire. Paul experienced the fire of God in the Damascus Road. He was changed. Isaiah experienced the fire of God. He saw the Lord one day and his train in the heavens. And and he experienced the fire of God. And he said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And an angel took a tongue, a coal out of the fire and touched his lips and purified him. He said, he touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. Listen, God wants us to, we need fire in our lives, amen? We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. We need the purification of the Holy Spirit. We need God to to touch our lives. He wants to burn up our pride. He wants to burn up our greed. He wants to burn up our jealousy and our bitterness and our anger and our unforgiveness and our self-righteousness. He wants to burn those things up. He wants to burn up our dreams and hopes and visions if they're the wrong ones. And so what happens when fire comes into our lives, then something happens. And when God comes and begins to, we want him, when we want to follow him, he also begins to consume us. The third thing about God is when we experience the fire, we also begin to see the harvest. Because interestingly enough, when Isaiah saw the Lord and the angel came and touched his lips with a coal, this is what, it, Isaiah heard something. And he says in verse, Isaiah 6, verse 7, he touched my mouth with it and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. All of a sudden, Isaiah is available. All of a sudden, Isaiah, he sees the harvest. All of a sudden, Isaiah sees what God sees. All of a sudden, Isaiah says, okay, I'm available. You want, you're looking for somebody who will, who will go, who will go for us? Here am I, send me, listen to me. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to be touching our lips in 24. Amen? I believe the Holy Spirit is going to begin to stir us and challenge us individually as a a church to see the harvest like we've never seen the harvest. I believe if we will respond to the Holy Spirit, if we're willing to stretch, I believe God is going to begin to shake our tree. I believe that there's going to come a passion and a heart for the lost and a boldness is going to come upon us, not of ourselves, but of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see the body of Christ begin to reach for the harvest. Not just this church, but churches in our city. I believe that. I believe this stadium event is part of that. Amen? And it's not going to just touch our city. I believe it's going to touch our province. And by the grace of God, shake our nation. Amen? I want to play a tape. Some of you heard this tape years ago. In 1996, in a place called Pond Inlet, 
uh, which is way up above the Arctic Circle. Uh, there were, the, the, that community was in dire straits. Uh, the suicide rate among young people was 20 times greater than the national average. Drugs were rampant. Alcohol, drugs, sexual abuse, it was terrible. It was living in hell. There was no law, there was no police force there. It was just terrible. So in 1996, a bunch of people got together and began to pray. And they began to intercede and actually God immediately began to move. Even through their prayers, God began to move. And things began to change and things began to stir. But in 1999, on February the 28th, 1999, on a Sunday afternoon, there was a youth meeting in an Anglican church. And these people, there had been a bit of a youth conference there, and uh, they were just kind of having, they were just kind of having a worship time. And uh, during the worship time, you, the worship leader begins to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And basically inviting the Holy Spirit to say, come, uh, come in your Holy Spirit, and inviting the fire of God to come. Well, the Holy Spirit came. In, in mighty power, and actually, uh, oh, it was like a sound of a, of a mighty Russian wind. They described it, it sounded like a jet airplane. Some people described it like a train that drove through the building. The whole building literally began to shake. The people began to shake as the power of the Holy Spirit came into that building and shook that shook that community. At, at the end of that, they went out into the community. It began to shook, it shook the whole town, and they they started gathering all the wicked things that were in their homes, their drugs, their drug paraphernalia. Pornography, anything like that. They went out onto the ice, out onto the Arctic Ocean, and made a heap, a pile, and they set it on fire and burned it, and it began to spread from one community to another. Some of you remember that, amen? And I remember us praying at that time, saying, Lord, send that fire down south. It never actually came down south. Not the way it was in, it stayed in the north. They had a revival that swept through, especially the eastern Arctic. Never came south. But you know what's interesting? One of the guys that was really involved in that revival was a guy by the name of Bill Prankert. Some of you might have heard of him. He's more in the East, so he's not that well known in the West. But he's an evangelist. He's an old guy now. He's even older than me. And, uh, but what's really interesting to me is that he is connected to Tyrell Smith. And he is connected to some of these other young guys like, like Adam Shepilov and some of these other people who are going to be coming here to teach us and train us in the whole issue of evangelism. It's interesting that he is a spiritual father to those people. And we're having this, we're having this stadium meeting in, in, in Regina. Somehow I think that there's still a connection. And though that fire didn't come south in 1999, I'm totally open for it to come south in 2024. Amen? So I'm going to pray just two minutes of that. And if you've never heard this tape, it's a mind blower. If you ever wondered what actually happened on the day of Pentecost, what it would have sounded like, you know, we have this idea of 120 people sitting there in a circle, nice and quiet and peaceful, and little tongues of fire around every head and just quietly speaking in tongues. I do not think that was it. I think that what you're going to hear right now was be closer to it. So let's play it. Oh, 
some of that? I want some of that. You know, there are people from other nations here this morning that moved here because the Holy Spirit spoke to them in their country and said, come to Canada because God's going to pour out His Spirit in Canada. Do you know that? There are people that moved because the Holy Spirit spoke to them there. You have at least a couple of families that actually packed up and moved here because God said there's going to be a revival, not just in Canada, but in Regina. In Saskatchewan. Amen? When I hear things like that, I don't just... I, I put that on a shelf. I don't just pull that away. I'm, I'm thinking that's significant. You know, uh, they're on fire. But here's an interesting thing. Let me close with this. Not only does fire... When the fire of God comes into our life, not only does it bring holiness, not only does it give us the desire to walk away from sin to walk away from those things which are so destructive in our lives. It does that. It purges that. But also fire, and fire gives us a hunger for the lost. It gives us a, a hunger for those who do not know Jesus. That's what happened in Pond Inlet. They went and started spreading from community to community because people just couldn't keep quiet about it. But it does one other thing. It also gives you a hunger for community. It gives you a hunger to be together and, and have, have community. And you see that in the, day, in the day of Pentecost, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit described in the first part of chapter 2. But when you get to the, back, the last part of chapter 2, what do we see? That we, it starts describing the incredible community that was there and the sharing of their property and, and the love and the grace that was there. And, and the harvest was taking place. And it says God was adding daily to their numbers those who were being saved. Amen? And then in Acts chapter 4, when the church was under persecution, uh, they, they uh, and, and th- it threw Peter and John in jail and threatened them and threatened the church. The church gathered for a prayer meeting. And in Acts chapter 4, it describes that prayer meeting at the end of chapter 4. And the very same thing happened. It says the Holy Spirit was poured out again. They had another uh, situation like you just heard. The Holy Spirit was poured out again. It says the house shook. And the same response, what you saw was incredible community. Brothers and, uh, brothers and sisters, believers connecting together, hungering to be together. You see, sometimes we have the idea that we can just have this incredible relationship with Jesus by ourselves. But that's not true. I mean, we can certainly encounter the Lord by ourselves in our own personal life. I've had some real strong personal encounters in my own, own life. 
But, I, but that's only one aspect of the experience. I, I don't believe I can experience the presence of God in His fullness by myself. I believe I need you. I need to be in your company. I need to be connected with you. I experience a far greater manifestation of God's presence and power in my life when I'm in community with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that's why we need community so bad. You can't get that by, by yourself. And so when you come to church on a Sunday morning, here's the tendency for so many of us. We, we want to come and we, we, we look for an aisle where there's nobody sitting in it. Say, well, I'm going to sit here. And some of us, we can come and we don't connect. We can, you can actually come here on a Sunday morning and uh, you can listen to, you can partake in the worship and you can listen to the word and you can just make a beeline from that door and hit the parking lot and you're gone. Uh, you haven't gotten to know anybody. You could be sitting beside a stranger. You've never gotten to know that person's name. You don't even know who they are. Uh, church, that's not what it's about. When we come together on a Sunday morning, yes, it's to hear the word. Yes, it's to worship. But it's about community. It's about connecting. It's about learning. If you don't know the person beside you, introduce yourself. Say, well, I introduced myself last week and I forgot his name. I'm too embarrassed to do it again. Do it again. Say, hey, I forgot your name. Could you tell it to me again? Amen? Come on. You know, when the Holy Spirit's moving on us, there's such a desire for unity. There's such a desire for community. There's a cry in our heart that says, come union. Come union. Not only is there such a desire for union and community within our midst as a church, but there's also a desire for, to touch the lost, to actually touch our neighbors, to touch people that don't know Jesus, to touch family members that don't know Jesus. There's a cry in our hearts just for, for community, for union, not only in the body of Christ, but those who are not yet in the body of Christ. That cry will be there. Amen? You know, let me, uh, let me, you know, Jeremiah, I'm just going to close with this. Jeremiah was, of course, an amazing prophet. We know about him. Uh, and he talks about the fire that was in his life. And of course, Jeremiah was a guy that he didn't go, his ministry was a tough ministry. Nobody ever responded to Jeremiah. I mean, he preaches and he prophesies, but nobody responds to him. They're, they turned deaf ears. They actually persecuted him. They ridiculed him. They, they tried to kill him. They tried to wipe him out at various times. It was tough. Jeremiah, at one point in his life, wanted to quit. So I quit. I quit. And he, he describes it. It says in Jeremiah chapter 20, in verse 9, he says, Oh Lord, he says, You deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. He, wasn't, he didn't sign up for that. Everyone mocks me. Everyone. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. God, you give me such a great message. You're going to be destroyed. Destruction's coming. I have this wonderful message for you. He says, I, I proclaim violence and destruction. So, so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I cannot. That fire... No matter how discouraged he got, how much he wanted to quit, that fire would not let him quit. That fire just kept, he couldn't help himself. He couldn't, he couldn't hold it in. He had to let it go. That's what fire does, church. 
We need that fire. Amen. We need that fire in our personal lives. We need that fire in our corporate life. You know, Abraham took his son Isaac and he went to make a sacrifice. And Isaac was carrying the wood. And Abraham had the fire. And as they got to the Mount Moriah, Abraham, Isaac says to his father, Father, we have the wood and we have the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide the sacrifice himself. But you know, the Bible tells us is that we also have, we also have wood. Many of us are carrying our wood around. We have wood. The fire is the fire of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. But I think the question today is the same question that Isaac had. Where's the sacrifice? Who's the sacrifice? Who's the sacrifice for us today? Who's the sacrifice? It's you. Amen? Jesus sacrificed himself for us, but now you're the sacrifice. If you get up, climb up on that altar, God will light a fire. Amen? If you lay up on that, get up on that altar, God will light a fire. And that's what happened to Pond Inlet. Those people, they climbed up on that altar and they became a sacrifice. And God lit the fire. Amen? Well, you know what? I don't want to go through 24 just carrying my wood. Amen? Just carrying my wood. I want to burn. Amen? I want to get up on that altar and say, Lord, send the fire. Send the fire. I want you to bow your heads this morning. If you're here this morning and, and you've been a, you're a guest here this morning, or maybe you've come a few times and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the first, the first place it starts is you turning your life over to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on a cross for all of our sins. He died on a cross for your sins. Your sins were on his cross. He already sacrificed himself for you because God loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. And you, if you're here this morning, you're not here by coincidence. If you're watching this service online, you're not watching it by coincidence, but by divine providence. And if you're here this morning, you need to know, if you don't know already, that Jesus Christ loves you, and Jesus Christ died for you, and he was a sacrifice for you. And he gave his life and paid, and paid for your punishment, paid for your judgment, paid for your sin. He paid for it. It's already paid for. Now he just wants to give it to you as a free gift. But you have to be willing to receive it. You have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, yes. Yes, Jesus. Come into my life. Make me a new person. Jesus, give me the fire. Change me from the inside out. If you invite Jesus to come into your life this morning, if you say, I'm a sinner, I'm the guy you're talking about, Dave. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You can't save yourself. Then you invite, then if Jesus is holding out his hand of invitation to you right now. And it will require you to stretch, to say, okay, I'm through with my old life. I'm going to stretch, reach my hand out. I'm going to stretch, and I'm going to receive the gift of eternal life that God wants to give me. If that's you, uh, and you would like to receive that this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer in a, few, in a minute, which is going to enable you, if you pray that prayer with me and, are, and you mean it and are serious about it, then 
then Jesus will come into your life. And you will receive his, Holy, his presence. And his Holy Spirit will come into your life. And you'll begin to experience that fire, which will begin to change you and transform you into an entirely different person. If, you would like, if, you've never, if you've never experienced that, but you'd like to experience it, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see it. Just put your hand up so I can see it. Because I want to pray for you this morning. Is there anybody here? I see some hands here. Is there anybody else that would like to receive that? Okay, I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you all to stand. I'm first of all going to pray for those people that raised their hands this morning. And I want you to pray with me, church. Jesus, I come to you this morning and I confess that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I need you, Lord, in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid for all my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to give me the gift of eternal life and the gift of forgiveness. And right now, by faith, and through this prayer, I receive your gift. Jesus, come into my life. I invite you to come in as my Savior. I invite you to come in as my Lord. And thank you that you have given me the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, that you, that you accepted my invitation. And that right now, I'm a new person. And I, my sins are forgiven. And I have eternal life. I want to praise you and I want to thank you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we have a gift for you. If you go out, when you go out those main doors into the, into the foyer, if you just turn immediately right, there's a window there, a welcome center, and we have a, a, a Bible there for you and a booklet called Now What? And it's a free gift for, to give to you, and, and we just want to give it to you. So if you would just do that, uh, just, as a, just uh, so we can bless you with that. Church, one more thing before you go. If you really are stirred this morning by what we've talked about, you say, Lord, I want that fire. You know, the church, the, the people in Pond Inlet, they actually started by calling on the Lord for fire in 1996. In 99, that fire came in an incredible way. Things were happening before 99, but it really poured out in 99. I want to say to you, say, Lord, I want that. I want to invite you to come forward. And we're just going to pray together. If you want to say, I want that fire. I need that fire. I want that. I'm hungry today. I have that hunger in my heart. I'm hungry. I want that fire in my life. I don't want 24 to be like 23. I want 24 to be better than 23. I want 24 to be known as a breakthrough year for me. I want 24 to be a year where something some radical change takes place in my own life. And radical change starts taking place in my family and those who I come across. God, I'm a candidate for that. God, I want the new wine. I'm willing to stretch, Lord. I'm willing to be pushed. I'm willing to push in. I'm willing to stretch. I'm saying, Lord, give me that new wine. I don't want the old wine. 
The old wine is not good enough. It's not good enough. I want new wine. I want something new in 24. Let's pray together. Lord, you see us standing here this morning. We're standing here, Lord, because we're hungry. We're hungry, Lord. We're not satisfied with the status quo. We're not satisfied with the way things are. We're not satisfied with the way things are in our personal lives. We're not satisfied with the way things are in our church. We're not satisfied with the way things are in this city. We're not satisfied with the way things are in this province. We're not satisfied with what's happening in our nation. We want far more than that. And Lord, what we need is we need your Holy Spirit. We need new wine. We need fire. We need fire. We need fire, Lord. There needs to be a cry in our spirit. Fire! Fire! We need fire, God. God, I have dross. I have things in my life that need to be burned up. I have things in my life, Lord, that are not helping me. I need your fire to begin to purge those things. Lord, I need a greater hunger. I need a greater vision for the harvest, Lord. I need a greater hunger for the lost, to see people come to Jesus. Lord, Lord, I, we just, our nation, Lord, needs righteousness. Our nation needs fire. God, our country, our province, our city needs the fire of God. And Lord, judgment begins at the house of God. It begins here. We need fire here. We can't have fire here. Fire's got to be here before we see fire in our city. It's got to be here. Lord, we, we pray, Lord, send the fire. <laughs> send the fire. Send the Holy Spirit and fire, Lord. Send the Holy Spirit and fire, Lord. Send the Holy Spirit and fire, Lord. Send it, Lord. Lord, let this stadium event that's going to happen in June, let the fire of God fall on that event, Lord. Let the fire of God fall on that event. Let the fire of God, Lord, fall upon the churches of Regina. Let the fire of God fall in churches in Saskatchewan. Lord, let the fire fall, Lord. We're believing you for fire. We're believing you for souls. We're believing you for people to come to Jesus in 24 on a level we've never seen before. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Lord, we're coming to you in the name of Jesus. Hear our prayer, O oh God. Hear our prayer, O oh God. Take coals from your altar, O oh God. Touch our lips. Touch our lips, Lord. Let us hear that cry that's coming from the, from the throne of God. Who will go? Who will go for us? And Lord, we're saying, Lord, hear my. Send me. Send me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen, Jesus. Amen, Jesus. Amen, Lord. Amen. Church, I want to just challenge you. When you go home today, I want you to really think about this. I want you to talk about it in your house and say, you know what? 
Let's increase our time of times of prayer. Let's increase our prayer life this year. Amen. Whether it be in your own homes, or Lord, when we get opportunities corporately, let's increase. That's one real tangible thing we can do right now. I mean, to call on the name of the Lord and begin to pray for that fire. Send the Holy Ghost and fire, Lord. Amen? Amen? Do I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Well, that brings us to the end of our time together. We hope that you found insight and had moments that spoke to you right where you needed it. Before you go, share the love and post this inspiring video to your page. Who knows how many lives could be impacted by it. And if you aren't already, like, follow, and turn on your social media notifications to keep up to date on all the exciting things happening at our church. Here at Harvest City, we're all about connecting with our community and celebrating those big moments. Like if you've recently decided to fully dedicate your life to Jesus, we'll be your cheerleaders and help you take those first steps. And if you're going through a tough season, let us know how we can help you. Plus, we've got tons of programs for kids, youth, and adults if you're looking for a new community to be part of. To send us a message or check out more about HCC, head over to our website, harvestcity.ca. To all of our financial partners, thank you for investing into the kingdom of God. Your generosity allows us to keep doing what we're called to do and reach even more people. If you're interested in contributing, please visit harvestcity.ca slash giving for more info. Thanks for being here. Keep living your call and we'll catch you again soon.